0: date night, fam. We trust your weeks full of God's grace and peace.
1: Yes, I know we have said this, but we sure do look forward to spending Thursday with you all. So
0: thanks for keeping us up to speed on your life, all the your messages, life. comments, reviews, and pics.
1: Yeah, we have a heavier topic today.
0: Helping our kids diagnose their salvation.
1: Diagnosing salvation. So we thought it would be good to pray up front. We usually pray at the end, um, but just thought it'd be good to get our hearts right and off the, whatever you got going on in your life out there, crying babies, angry clerks at Trader there Joe's. There no angry
0: clerks at Trader Joe's. <laughs> oh, they're happy i've never met one. That's, that's true
1: they have the hawaiian <laughs> tommy bahama shirt freeway traffic maybe for the guys coming home i know that can be a problem so thought it'd be good for us to pray love it heavenly father we've all had busy days but now we're going to discuss something literally eternal heaven and hell and it involves our beloved kids so please illumine guide and strengthen us in jesus name amen you ready for this my love yeah ethan you're ready let's roll
0: I I don't know, but how?
1: you see today that someone posted the actual clip? No. I think it was Renee. She posted the actual clip from, she found it from I Love Lucy. Oh,
0: that is funny. (laughs) I love Yeah, she
1: tagged you. All right. In just a second, we are going to give some Bible basics on diagnosing salvation. Um, But first, let me give a little bit of background. A few weeks ago, I was talking with an older couple and they were sharing about their grown kids and they were really, really devastated because to use their words, they'd raised them in the church and Awana, the homeschool co-op, the whole thing. And their kids had walked away from at all, rejecting Mm -hmm. Christ, LGBTQ, the the whole bit. So they got really emotional sharing how the same thing was happening to all their friend group and how they were just kind of mourning. I mean, the whole group of them in their 70s saying, how did this happen? Why did it happen? The whole deal.
0: Wow, that's heartbreaking. It is.
1: So that got us thinking about this subject. Um, which is really a foundational subject for every Christian home, our child's salvation. Um, It's pretty rare to find a family where everyone's walking the narrow path and does all the way through, especially into the young adult years, fully assured of salvation. Um,
0: And for we Christian moms or dads, this will be the thing that keeps us up at night, mm -hmm. especially as the kids crest through high school and probably even college.
1: Yep. So before we jump in, let me give a couple of books. So as we're going through this, which we're going to go through it fast, um, like we typically do, and you say, hey, I want to go deeper on these things. Um, Here's a couple good ones. The first one is Assurance, Resting in God's Salvation by William Smith. And another uh, more popular, John MacArthur, is Saved Without a Doubt.
0: And one more is Assured by Greg Gilbert. Yeah,
1: which is more next generation and smaller. So just real quick, a bit of silver lining here. Um, And this will sound backward, but bear with me. I I think this is important. Everyone knows that we in our lifetime have witnessed the collapse of what we could call a Judeo-Christian worldview here in our country. Uh, I mean, an example would be we're watching women who call themselves men shoot and kill christian elementary students mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago so society is pegging again um and i doubt last week anyone walked into a starbucks for example for easter and saw a he's risen cup for easter you know nope, didn't see that <laughs> no you know but there's a silver lining And that is that it's no longer popular or easy to be a Christian anymore, so naturally people who claim to be Christian have counted the cost, and they most likely probably are.
0: Whereas when we were growing up, it was common for most of us to call ourselves Christian whether we were saved or not.
1: Yep, until 2015-ish. I mean, 70% of the nation still identified as, in quote, Christian. But
0: that's all changing. It
1: is. And I don't want to keep banging the same drum, but those numbers were buoyed by the easy believism taught in the evangelical church and walk in the aisle and all that stuff for 50 years. What do you mean? Well I've talked about it a lot so I don't want to I don't want to go there again but if you if you ask most people today how they know they're Christian they're going to say well I've always been one or I believe in God or I prayed the prayer or came forward at camp or something so you know, or I go to church. That might be another one. And
0: that isn't biblical evidence of conversion.
1: That's why I call the new state of things, as difficult as it sounds, a silver lining, because there will be more clarity about who's of the world and who's of Christ nowadays. I mean, it reminds me of the old Roman letter by Pliny to Trajan describing, you know, in his words, the weird Christians. They, I think he said they were accustomed to meet before daylight and they, they recited songs to someone called Christ and they bound themselves to sacred oaths and that whole deal. Mm, I love that. And he goes on to describe these, you know, I took two young guys, captive. I tortured them, but they wouldn't recant. So I think that's an example. The silver lining of all this, for example, is if you're living in Rome, there's clarity about who's a Roman and who's a Christian. I mean, who's living the pagan life and who's living the, the Christian life. And it's clear.
0: Yeah. That's what we want for our kids and ourselves is clarity from God's word about why we believe what we believe. What does the Bible say about being a Christian? What does the Bible say about characteristics of a Christian? Yeah.
1: So if anyone's wondering, that's why we're doing this pod. What does the Bible say hmm. um, when it comes to faith? We want to use God's objective word rather than subjective opinion, scripture, not sentiment. Because when we die, think about it, (laughs) we're going to stand before God in judgment. He's not going to say, so did you think you were a Christian? Oh, good. Come on in. I'm glad your way worked too that's not what he's going to do. He's going to judge us by his standard. And according to Jesus on that day, many are going to be surprised when they're shut out of his kingdom.
0: Mm, so we want to give a simple biblical roadmap, allowing we parents help our children diagnose their relationship with Christ.
1: Amen.
0: So where should we start, my love?
1: Well, let's call these today biblical evidences of salvation. And we're going to list them out one by one, and then we'll add commentary You know where we need it um, and where it fits. And if your children are professing faith or moving on into the... Those teen and college years, go ahead and have them listen to, and then work through each one of these together. And there's more. We could have added another five or six or seven, but we're sticking to these, these which are the most baseline. And then let that spark conversation in your home with your kids.
0: Okay, would you like to start? No, you, you should start. Okay, evidence number one of an individual being a Christian is awareness of and sorrow over personal sin. And this is directly from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 3, where Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted.
1: Thank you, my love. I can't overemphasize how important it is to start right here, because Jesus is not detailing in this passage how to get to heaven. He's describing those who are already going there. And he's talking about the word you often will use is spiritual bankruptcy, like where a person realizes, I can't do it. You know, I'm a rebel, I'm self-righteous, and there's nothing good in me. And then they begin to mourn that hideous failure, that hideous reality. And
0: isn't the terminology he uses about begging?
1: It is <laughs> totally the Greek word there. Um, it's not just a poor person. It's a homeless, naked, ashamed beggar who's crying out in desperation with tears in his eyes and hands outstretched.
0: So a true Christian starts by realizing their inability before God, that they have nothing morally to offer God and contribute nothing to any salvation Mm -hmm. from God.
1: That's it. John Owen said, this is the real test of gospel power. It keeps the heart humble, lowly, sensible to sin and broken to that fact. Mm. So we got to start there. Anybody who's listening, have your children reflect on their journey. And then their spiritual journey and whether they've come to the end of themselves and they've shut the bedroom door at some point, aside from you, aside from the community of faith, even aside from, you know, their parents watching over their shoulder and they've just wept over their sin and they've become very honest before God.
0: Mm, Okay. Evidence number two is a confidence in Christ alone. And Paul writes this about himself in Philippians 3 saying, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ.
1: Amen. It's one of my favorite passages. Mm. And this is a game changer because once we realize, going back to evidence number one, all that we're not, we have to find the one who is. And Jesus did for man what no man could do for himself. And we talked about that, what was it, two, three weeks ago Mm -hmm. on Passion Week Pod? It's called atonement or payment, where Jesus' death and resurrection is the single package in the universe which removes sin's penalty. And through him, heaven's doors fly open, so to say, to every sinner who's willing to repent.
0: Amen. It's Christ's work, not our contribution, that Mm -hmm. completes our standing before God. And if we believe even 1% of our morality contributes to life in heaven, we're still dead in sin.
1: That's it. For anyone raised in the Bible Belt, for example, this is key. If you're in the Midwest, or you're somewhere where there's just a lot of cultural Christianity, or Catholics, that'd be this would be an important one for you, or any religion, basically, that's merit-based. Your X, you know, you've been taught your X plus God's Y equals heaven, like there's a combo effect, but that's false, It's not your goodness, it's not your prayers, it's not our gifts, it's not our sacraments, it's not rosaries, it's not emotional experiences that pay the price. And I'm just going to press a little bit there on the Catholics, right? Even half the price, for example. And Mary doesn't help either. We must trust that our standing before God depends on Christ standing before God, right? Who he is is then who I get to become. It's all because of him. Mm -hmm. Let me quote Baxter there. He says, Richard Baxter, let deserved." the word deserved be written on the floor of hell, but then let the words free gift be written on the door of heaven. And I love what Sinclair Ferguson adds. He says, quote, we are as fully justified before God as our Lord Jesus is. We are as finally justified as our Lord Jesus is. And we are as irreversibly justified as our Lord Jesus is. It's all about Christ and Christ alone.
0: Oh, I love Baxter. And <laughs> moving on, evidence number three is a growing victory over sin. And this one comes from Romans 8, 13, which- says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God.
1: Yeah. So let me try to put that into everyday language. The point Paul's making is that feeling guilty about sin... So like, you know, just grief or remorse over poor choices alone is not the lifestyle or the indicator of a Christian. There actually has to be a new change, a new direction, and a real transformation of life. Is
0: this important because it's possible to feel self-centered sorrow, but still not be a changed person? Mm -hmm. I know personally, I felt this for many years and thought I was repenting, but believe now it was false repentance. That was my
1: whole life growing up. Mm -hmm. I mean, Judas is the case study. (laughs) He betrayed Christ and he felt really bad. And we call that remorse mm-hmm. to the point he went out and hung himself, but he never changed. That's repentance. And he's rotting now forever in hell. So in addition to the emotion of grief, true Christians will experience the motion of change and transformation.
0: That's so good, which it it doesn't mean we'll be perfect, right? No,
1: not perfection, but progression. That's what grace does, and that's what the Spirit produces. When God saves for heaven, he saves to holiness, and when he saves the root, it begins to bear fruit.
0: And that obedience springs from the heart out of the love for our Savior and through the Holy Spirit who is stronger than our sin.
1: Yes, we are fighting a battle that he has already won.
0: All right, numero cuatro. Numero f- cuatro.
1: <laughs> ah, Spanish.
0: <laughs> the fourth evidence of a Christian is a desire to attend church. And this comes from Romans 12, 4, which reads, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many... Are one body in Christ and individually members one of another
1: amen and the 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 key there is that that's connected to Romans twelve one through three Romans twelve one through three is making the transition from the beauties of the gospel to the transformed life that comes out of the gospel, and right away in verse four he says we now have been connected to this thing called the body of Christ. And that's what the New Testament teaches, that God saves us into a family and into a body. We're now spiritually attached to him as the head. And so the idea of a Christian disconnected from a local church is unheard of, or even a Christian not in ministry is just a contradiction.
0: And that's because at Salvation, God adopts us as a sinner into the community of the saved and we share life together and find our joy being together knowing we'll be in eternity together.
1: Yes, D.A. Carson says, it would have been inconceivable, in the first, I'm really tempted to do the Princess Bride thing there, inconceivable. He says, it would have been inconceivable in the first century to call yourself a Christian but not join a church. And I'm going to pause there, and that's where date night family everywhere around the world, that's as parents where we need to look in the mirror. First and foremost, we need to look in our own eye. If we are resistant to expressing ourselves as members of the body, like you don't go to church, you're not interested in church, how can we dare talk to our children about it? And let me just nudge a little bit of application here. How about sports, for example? If we're okay allowing our kids to miss church for a leather orb that they hit with a stick, what are we telling them about our priorities, Mm. our loves, our devotions, right? And then take that concept and turn it right towards your teenagers, for example. If they won't gather with the church, they won't sing with the church, they don't love the church, they don't love church friends or serving or joking, you know, they, they sit in student ministry and joke around all the time, you know, or you have to make them attend church. That's really clear analysis of where they're at. In fact, I would even go further. That's something right there you want to sit down and maybe even start with them, start with them on number four and then work back to three, two, and one and say, Hey, I've noticed that you don't really have any desire or love for the local church. Help me understand that.
0: So good. And that's not that you're saved by the church, but because you're saved, you want to be at church.
1: That's it. If you play for the Lakers, you practice with the Lakers. If you, you you play games for the Lakers, your jersey on your court says Lakers on it, right? Mm-hmm. The idea is, is that if you're truly a Christian, you want to be around Christians doing Christian things, and yes. you're proud to tell people that you are, in fact... A Christian, a little Christ, a Christ follower. Even though, by the way, Zeke asked me the other day if he could play one day for three NBA teams. Oh,
0: Zeke. <laughs> okay, last one. Evidence number five is a hunger for the Bible, and I'll share from Psalm 119, 47. It says, "I find my delight in your commandments, which I love." And we could add a host of other scriptures here.
1: Yeah, and this one's really simple. I'm sure everyone gets it. God's people love God's word. God's people live off of God's word. Jesus said, "This is I, I mean, I don't live on bread alone." You know, God's people don't live on bread alone. And if we're truly saved, we'll love to study the Bible by ourselves. We'll love to study it with other people. And we'll love to hear sound expository preaching in a good church.
0: Yes. And this one's near and dear to my heart because I've just seen how maturing in God's word really characterizes God's
1: people. Mm -hmm. Just like a
0: child matures physically through eating food, Christians mature spiritually by intaking spiritual food.
1: And that's one of the beauties um, that I think a lot of people don't know about you is you're, you're you're mentoring so many people and you love the ACBC thing because it's solely built on the sufficiency of God's word. And just a little bit of encouragement here. This doesn't mean that we're always going to have the same hunger. There's going to be times where we're really loving God's word, other times where it's a little bit of a habit. The point is, is that our overall pattern will be enjoying God's word and we'll never flatline or fade away.
0: Amen. And over the years, the hunger grows because it's an infinite word and there's no end to its
1: beauties and glory. Amen. I'll quote J-Mac here. He says, Scripture does what psychoanalysts, meditation, philosophy, or history books can't do. It pierces the heart. It penetrates deep into the soul and judges the motives. To see yourself in the light of Scripture is to see yourself as you really are. Amen. Well, that is all five, my love. Um, and everyone, listen, I know that was a fire hose. So before we wrap up, let me, let's me let all just take a deep breath. And uh, let me just provide two brief pastoral encouragements. Um, and this is for anyone listening who's a bit overwhelmed by all this. And I know we were going backwards. You know, we usually start with disclaimers and then we close with prayer and we're doing it all backwards. But stick with me. This is just a bit of encouragement for parents who are wrestling. Um, you know, and you're figuring out how do I you know, keep my head up, my hopes up with my kids um. You know, how do I keep trusting the Lord as we work all this out? Especially in the teen years, things get tough, and it's a long game. It's mm-hmm. not something that you're going to see solved um, or even diagnosed in a in a week or two. It's going to take months, if not years. So, number one, here's kind of my encouragement. Number one, remember the Lord knows. Uh, our mental capabilities, including those of your children. Um, And if you're worried at all about a child being able to process all of this, like everything we just shared, remember the Lord isn't focused on our theological definitions. He sees our heart, right? And I think a great example is the thief on the cross. He did not get into paradise um, after dying that day, meet an angel, and then the angel grill him uh, on theological questions, you know, diagnostics on forensic justification. I guarantee he simply said, I was a sinner, uh, I was a thief and I was hanging on a rugged timber and I looked over and I met a great savior Mm -hmm. and he said I could come. (laughs) So, you know, and that's an encouragement. If you have a child um, and maybe you go, yeah, they they struggle with, learning, special needs, um, maybe autism, maybe cerebral palsy, something more serious. You know, the reality is, is you can have great assurance in your heart that the Lord knows your child. Mm-hmm. Um, he's made your child and he's aware of your child's, um, even if it is small and infant and seedling understanding. Uh, and so you can have some encouragement and hope there. Number two is consider evaluating your child and even yourself yourself always with the help of other Christians, Um, like a pastor or a youth pastor or a mature person at church. You know, just like when you're learning a new trade or a sport or a skill golfing or whatever, having an expert eye and a coach is super helpful, Uh, not only in the diagnosis of what's wrong with your swing, for example, but also in the, you know, the medications and the solutions to fix the swing. Um, As a pastor, I am regularly amazed that people who need Christ the most think they're fine, and those who love him the most are often the ones that lack assurance. And so, what I would say is find good counsel. Um, This pot is just the seed, and it'll blossom in the context of a healthy church environment when you have other people around you who are helping to give you proper context and proper perspective um, about your life.
0: And most of all, if you find yourself without evidence of conversion, be comforted that Christ holds out His loving, pierced hands to you, ready right now to receive you and forgive all sin through His payment on the cross.
1: Yes, yes, yes abandon your sin, turn and trust him and him alone, and listen, you'll be immediately made right with God. I
0: think we should pray again.
1: I think that's a good idea. Father, we again place all of our homes before you. Guide us so that we can guide our children. And please, at the end of all of this, just give us Jesus. We don't want the world. We don't want its fame. We don't want its fortune. We just want Jesus. Now and forever, we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, Date Night fam, we will be back in 168 short hours. Thanks to Ethan, our producer, the blessed people of Mission Bible Church. And if you'd like more gospel resources, please visit us at www.forthegospel.org. And until next week, keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family.